0: Hello, I'm Dr. Jonathan Barker, pastor here at Amazing Grace Baptist Church in Mount Airy, North Carolina. I would like to personally thank you for taking out time today to tune in to our preaching podcast. We hope that this message will be a great encouragement to your heart today. I to give you a thought out of here with the help of the Lord this morning. I'm going to let you remain seated. Um, then I'm going to pray and then I'm going to say some things before I even read the text this morning. Uh, I know we normally stand when I read the text, but I'm going to spend a little bit of time before we get there. Father, I love you today. You know the need of this service this morning. Father, I pray, Lord, that your will and way would be done in it. God, I pray, Lord, that you'd help us as we preach today. God, I I stand in a place where in the arm of the flesh I'll do nothing but fail. So God, I pray for the next few minutes, God, that you'd illuminate my mind, Father. Father, I pray that you'd preach us in power and unction and demonstration of the Holy Spirit of God. Father, I sure need you today. God, there's no doubt in my mind, uh, Father, that their souls weighing in the balance this morning. There's probably people here. If they die, Father, right now, they would go to a place called hell. And I pray, God, that you'd speak to their heart today, show them their need of you. God, may they come to know you uh, as their personal Savior. In Jesus' name, uh, amen and amen. I, I want to look into this uh, verses here in just a minute, but I'm going to say a few things that I've said in the numerous times, but I want to echo them again this morning and reiterate these thoughts in our mind. When we come to the Bible today, to a lot of people in our society, the Bible is nothing more than a book. It's nothing more than printed up pages uh, uh, bound in, and biggest part of the time, bound in leather. Uh, and that all that's all it is to a lot of people. To a lot of people, it's a quote-unquote fairy tale. Uh, that's all that it is. But there's something interesting about it. Bible uh, um, that is different than fairy tales. Usually fairy tales start like this: Once upon a time in a land far, far away. Whenever we come to the Word of God, our Bible does not start with once upon a time in a land far, far away, but it starts like this. In the beginning, God uh, created the heavens and the earth. Now, whenever we read Genesis chapter number one, verse number one, there's something that must come into play. IT'S A LITTLE WORD THAT'S CALLED FAITH. We have to believe, there has to be an element of faith any time we read the Word of God and any time we study the Word of God. Now, I'll say this to you this morning. A lot of people says this, well, I have no faith. And again, you've heard me use this illustration before, but they say I have no faith. I'm not going to put my faith in anything. However, each and every one of us sitting here today has already exercised Exercised faith on a numerous occasions, and you may say, "Well, preacher, how did I exercise faith today?" Well, I've watched each one of you exercise faith today when you sat down uh, in the chair that you're sitting in. I didn't see anybody take the chair apart uh, because they're hooked together. I didn't see anybody take that chair apart, flip it over, check the legs, uh, do a, 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 a compression te- test on it, or a compaction test on it. Or or beat on it or bang on it. No, you know what you've done? You just sit down. Let me tell you the reason you sit down, because you believed that chair was going to hold you up. You believed that chair was going to hold you up. You watched probably, I don't know, since we're live feeding, uh, there was probably about 20 people in our choir a while ago, and you watched all of those walk up here uh, and stand on a platform. The majority of those that walked up here and stood on this platform has no clue how this platform was built. Now, I'll tell you this in the words of Wade Gallian, you can drive a D8 Bulldozer on top of this platform and it won't fall. Is what Wade said one night in here as we was building it. But you by faith walked up here and believed that this podium or this platform was going to hold you up today. When you got in your vehicle this morning, you either pushed a button or you turned a key and some of you exercised a lot of faith in that because you was driving a Chevrolet. But you believed that vehicle was going to start. That's the reason you turned the key. You exercised faith. When it comes to the Word of God this morning and the printed pages of God's Word today, there must be an element of faith. We must believe by faith what the Word of God is saying is literal and is true today. So how does faith come? Well, according to the Bible, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God this morning. What did Paul instruct Timothy to preach whenever he was talking to him? He said, preach the word in the book of Timothy. Why did he tell them to preach the Word? Because it is the Word that is alive today. You see, our Bible is not just any old book. It's not just any old pages today. It's not just some history book, but it is the Word of God on a printed page. Amen? The Bible said this in John 1.1, 1, 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He went on to say on in that chapter, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. In other words, when we hold our Bible this morning, we hold God in our hand this morning. Now I understand God's bigger than to be able to hold him in our hand, but you see what I'm saying. It's the words of God today. Our Bible is not just a history book today. It's the words of God. I thought about this today. I, I, I was thinking last night, and I, I don't know if you ever get like this. The older I get, the more I get like this. But you ever just lay down and look at the ceiling? It might be because I drunk a cup of coffee last night. But you ever just lay down and look at the ceiling? Man, I couldn't sleep and I got up and I went in there to the recliner and I sat down in the recliner and then I got up and walked around in the house and I I just couldn't sleep and I was thinking about this. Uh, You know, I I have never, now stay with me just a minute, I have never saw the Twin Towers. I know I just called everybody, you just went, whoa, that took a left-hand turn right there. I never have. I was not there when the Twin Towers fell. I was in a motel room. Uh, we was, I was with Rock of Ages Prison Ministries at the time, and we was fixing to go into prison and preach that morning. Uh, and And I'll never forget, my sister called me, and she said, are you watching the news? And I said, what kind of question is that? I don't watch the news. I You say, why? Because if I watched the news, I'd be on depression medication. Especially today. I said, No, I'm not watching the news. She said, You need to turn it on. So I turned the news on and whenever I turned the news on, man, it was breaking headlines. Terrorists had hit America and boy, they was attacking us and I'll never forget that second plane was called on um, video as it went into that tower and man, as those towers fell and the people was killed now there's ground zero now that people goes to. But you let me tell you the reason that I think that there was twin towers and I think that they did fall because of a little thing called history. Because of history. I've never met, (laughs) don't nobody fall out with, I've never met Joe Biden. Have no plans on ever meeting Joe Biden. I've never met Joe Biden. But because of history today and because of the news and because of what somebody says, we believe that He's our president. Are you with me this morning? I don't know why everybody's laughing. It's glad I didn't stumble and fall, but anyway, we believe uh, <laughs> he's, he's our president. Why? Because somebody told us that. Now why can't we believe this? It matter of fact, historically, the accounts of our word of God is recorded. Let me read you a verse. Luke chapter number 16. And I I want to give you something this morning. I'm going to watch the time. Luke chapter number 16, verse number 19 said this. There was a certain rich man that was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. There was a certain beggar named Lazarus which laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. The Bible said in verse number 22, and it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. Pay attention to verse 23. And in hail. He lift up his eyes being in torment and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame. You say, preacher, what do you take away from that this morning? Here's what I take away from that. There is a literal place called hell. Whenever we read this story today, there's two families here, there's two funerals here, and there's two futures here. Whenever we read this story this morning, our attention is called to a rich man and to a poor man. And the poor man goes to heaven and the rich man goes to hell. But time out, let me say something right here. They didn't go to heaven and they didn't go to hell because of their finances. The poor man went to heaven because he put his faith in the Son of God. The rich man went to hell simply because he rejected the Lord Jesus Christ. Had nothing to do with his money. Nothing to do with his money. Money will not buy your way into heaven. There's no way. Good works will not get you into heaven. Being poor will not get you into heaven. Jesus and Jesus alone is what will get you into heaven. Let's look at the contrast of these two men for just a second, and then I'll give you a couple of thoughts. The rich man, look at his fortunate life and comfort. He probably had anything that he ever wanted. I thought about this, his fine linen and clothing, and I thought about this, his festive living and celebration. He had it all. Anything that he wanted was at his exposure. He could do anything he wanted to. I, I used to preach on this text some in prison, and uh, I, whenever we worked in juvenile correctional facilities, and I'd say, man, um, this rich man had a chariot with 24-inch spinners on it. Back in the, the early 2000s, I don't know if y'all, some of y'all would not even born then, but my daughter made this statement the other day. She said, they're old. They was born in the 1900s. I guess I'm old. I was born in the 1900s. And then she went on to say, they was even born in the 90s. (laughs) 70s, praise God. But uh, we would say that this rich man had everything that he wanted. But let's take a minute and look at the poor man. Well, there was his challenges. He was a beggar. There was his crippledness. The Bible said that he was carried He was carried. I I thought about this. There was his condition. He was full of sores. There was the crumbs that he desired. He just wanted crumbs from the rich man's table to eat. And I thought about this. The only comfort that he found was in a bunch of dogs that came by and licked his sores. Hell, this morning, you say, Preacher, do you believe that it's a literal place? I believe as much as I'm standing here today... That hell's a literal place. I believe just as much as there is a heaven above, there's a hell beneath. I believe just as much as there is a God in glory, there's a devil in hell. I believe just as much as there's angels in heaven, there's demons in hell. It is a literal place based on the authority of God's word. Let me show you two or three things about it. Number one, I want you to see the critics of hell. The critics of hell. I'll say this to you this morning, and I believe that you agree with me. There's a lot of people that don't believe in a literal place called hell. There's a whole lot more people that don't believe in a place called hell that does believe in a place called heaven. You see, we want to think about a place called heaven. We want to think about streets of gold and gates of pearl and a crystal river of life. We want to think about God sitting on his throne and Jesus sitting at the right hand of God making intercession on our behalf. We want to think about eternal peace, eternal joy, eternal happiness. We want to think on that. But what we don't want to think about is a place called hell and the torments of hell and burning for an eternity in a place called hell. The critics of hell, there is so many today, Brother Ramsey, that does not believe in hell. I began to think, who is some of the biggest critics of hell today? And I'm going to say something this morning. I hope you don't get sideways with me. I'll be more than glad to sit down with you after service and talk about this one-on-one. One of the biggest critics of hell today is New Age Bible versions. It's one of the biggest critics of hell today. You said, preacher, what Bible do you use? I use an authorized King James Version Bible. Now, let me explain the reason that I use that. I've done a very in-depth study uh, on the different translations of the Bible, and I'm going to tell you something. Uh, The Word of God is the authorized King James Version of the Bible. You say, why are they a critic of hell? Well, let me give you a few instances today. Number one, I would say this. The King James Version of the Bible mentions hell 54 different times. The New King James mentions it 32 times. The New Living Translation mentions it 17 times. The English Standard Version mentions it 14 times. The NIV and the RSV mentions it 13 times. And there's a Bible today called the Christian Standard Bible that they are promoting as being the closest thing to the King James that there is. And it only mentions hell 11 different times in that so-called Bible. They are a critic of hell today. You see, they don't want to think about a place that's called hell. They don't want to be, here's the word, offensive to this generation. But the truth of the matter is this. Hell is real. And when we die without God, we'll die and go to hell. Number one, the critics of hell. Number two, the certainty of hell. Look with me in verse number... 23, and in hell, he lift up his eyes. I remember when I was a, a, a little boy growing up, I, 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 would, I, I wasn't mean, I was just mischievous every once in a while. And my mom would say things to me, and then she would say this, I'm going to tell your dad. Your dad's going to be home in a little while. Every once in a while, my dad would make this statement. We'd be coming down the road, bro, Jim, and I'd get in trouble, and Daddy would say, when we get home, you've had it. And I'd say, no, Daddy, no, I won't do it again. And he would say something like this, you can write that down in your little black book. You've had it. If Daddy ever said write that down in your little black book, honey, you better be ready. Whatever he said was going to happen, bro, Scotty. It was just like, matter of fact, I grew up where a handshake was your bond. Your word meant something, and a handshake meant something. If somebody told you something, that's the way I grew up. That's the way I was raised. My daddy would say, write that down in your little black book. Hear me, and hear me well today. The word of God said in hell, he lifted up his eyes. You can write that down in your little black book. Hell is real today. It's real. The certainty. Fifty-four times in the King James Bible, he mentions hell. Matter of fact, he said this in Psalms, the wicked shall be turned into hell, and all nations that forget God. You say, well, preacher, what if you're wrong and the Bible's not true? Boy, that's an awful big gamble to take this morning, isn't it? What if I'm right? And the Bible is true? Then... If I'm right, and the Bible is true, I'm going to heaven and you're going to hell. It's just the truth this morning. The certainty of it. I see the critics of it, the certainties of it. Watch this, number three. I'm moving quickly. I want you to see the cries from hell this morning. Know what your Bible said. And in hell he lifted up his eyes, verse 23. Being in torment and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water, and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. The cries from hell. Now the man who once had everything is screaming out for the man who had nothing. Did you see the transition there? He's now screaming out for Lazarus. He's now talking to Father Abraham, the cries that's coming from hell. He's screaming out, the Bible said this, and, he, and in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torment. That word torment simply means this. It means extreme pain. The utmost degree of misery. Now listen to this. Either of the body or of the mind. Either of the body, or of the mind. Let me tell you what's worse than a bodily injury: a mental injury. Now I know that we live in a day to day that puts a lot of emphasis on on, on mental health. They, they, they. <laughs> They throw a lot of medicine at mental health, and I understand there is a such thing as mental health. I understand that there is times that medication is needed, but I'm gonna tell you what a lot of it is. A lot of it is we've raised a generation that's just a bunch of sissies. Well, I didn't figure I'd get many amens on that, but it's a truth. I stump my toe. Well, you don't have to do this. Well, I don't feel good, or this man, just grow up. I'm going to tell you something. I, the word anxiety, I never heard it until I was an adult and married. You said, did you ever have a panic attack when you was a kid? Yeah, when my mama was beating the devil out of me with a belt. And at the end, when I was going, she'd go, you shut up or I'll give you something to cry about. Well, bless God, you already did, woman. I never told her that. I wouldn't be here today if I'd have told her that. I understand, I understand there is some issues. But I'm telling you, we're blowing this thing out of proportion in our country today. I'm telling you. I'm telling you the greatest rehab is Jesus Christ. I'm telling you the greatest thing to get your life back on the right track is Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen look at this. There's the cries and and this this torment talks about an extreme pain the utmost degree of misery either of the body or of the mind. Of the mind. Our mind today a, a mental scar you know what people used to say this sticks and stones. Anybody ever heard this? Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Man, that's such a lie. Because we are affected by words. They affect us mentally. You say, well, words don't affect me. You probably got a grudge against somebody that said something 47 and a half years ago. Amen. Are you with me? But words don't bother me. Well, why do you get mad when somebody says something? Words do affect us, and they affect us mentally. I'm going to tell you the worst, one of the worst parts of hell besides being separated from God and the love of Jesus Christ is the mental game that you'll have in hell. Whenever you read about this man right here, he remembers everything. He remembers his family. He remembers his brothers. Matter of fact, he talks and and says send somebody to him. And I'll say something about that in just a minute. But his mind was there, Brother John. His mind was there, the cries coming out of hell today. I guarantee you, if we could hear the cries of hell today, it would be something like this I wish I had another chance to get saved. I wish I could hear another verse of amazing grace, how sweet the sound. I wish I could hear another message. I wish another preacher would come visit me. I wish somebody would tell me about God one more time. God, would you please give me another chance? To be saved. The cries of hell this morning. Look at the caution that comes from hell this morning. Pick up reading in verse 27 with me. Then he said, and, and, and boys, so much can be said right here between where I left off and where I'm picking up because he talks about remembering. He talks about the eternity of it, that great gulf that's fixed. Verse 27, he said this, Then said I, I pray thee, Therefore, Father, that thou wouldst send him to my brother's house. For I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. He said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets... Neither would they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. The caution that's coming out of hell is this this morning. Don't come. Don't come. Don't come. Get saved. You don't want to come here. Get saved. Oh, God, please get saved. Listen to the preacher. Listen to the Word of God. What is he saying? He said, let somebody go tell my brothers. You know, I find it very interesting. And I don't have time to talk about this much, but I find it very interesting. He never says nothing about his, his mother or his father. Never says one thing about him. Here's, here's some barkerology on that. I believe his mom and daddy was probably saved and his mom and daddy probably told him about God and tried to get him saved and the reason he's not mentioning his mom and daddy is because he knows where his mom and daddy's at and he knows where he's at. His mom and daddy's in heaven and he's in hell and he's got five brothers that's headed to the same place and now he's crying out from hell somebody tell my family about God. Somebody tell my brothers about God. But it's too late. It's too late. He's all already in hell they're not going to hear him he can't go to them he can't help change their life now he can't get them to Jesus now why because he's in the hell oh if he'd have just listened to a preacher preach if he'd have just gave his life to Christ if he'd have just by faith believed that God would have saved him God would have saved him and he could have told his brothers about it but now he sends a caution from hell please don't come and go tell everybody else they don't want to come here. There's the caution from hell this morning. There's the caution from hell. I'm afraid today if we could turn back the center of the earth and we could see into hell. I'm afraid it would scare us who we saw in hell. Matter of fact, we could read Scripture and look at different things, but I'm going to tell you something. I believe there's preachers in hell. You say preachers. Look up in here just a minute. I'm not going to heaven because I'm a preacher. I'm telling you, there's a lot of false prophets today. They're after nothing but money and fame. They're a false prophet. If they won't preach against sin, they won't preach heaven sweet and hell hot. They're a false prophet today. I'm telling you, they're false prophets. We'd see people that sung in the choir. We'd see fam- We'd see family members. We'd see people that we worked with. We'd see friends. Well, I'll never forget years ago at a place that I worked at. There's a feller that the Lord put on my heart to witness to, and I never did. And today by his own testimony, he's dead and in hell. According to the Word of God, Brother Andy, his blood will be required at my hands one day in heaven. If we could hear, if we could hear the cries out of hell today, it'd say, please don't come. Please don't come. Please don't come. Let me tell you one of the main things that keeps people out of, heaven and sends them to hell. It's one simple word. It's called pride. What's everybody going to say about me? What's everybody going to think about me? What, what's it? <laughs> Honey, why does it matter? We're talking about eternity. We're talking about eternity. We're talking about an eternal separation from God we're talking about an eternal separation from family members that was saved, that's already outrun us in this race. The caution said, Please don't come. And give you one last thing in closing there's a cross on the road to hell. There's a man named Jesus that loves you. There's a man named Jesus. Let me read you some scripture real quick. Listen to what the Bible said. I I can quote this, but I want to read it to you. I don't want to misquote nothing. Listen to what he said. Romans chapter number 6 verse number 23. For the wages of sin is death. Wages is simply payment. There's a payment for our sin. Adam and Eve brought sin into the world. And now because of that, all of us are sinners today. For the wages of sin is death. But note what he said. But the gift of God is eternal life. Through who? Through Jesus Christ our Lord. What is the gift of God John 3 16 for God so loved the world that he he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life yes there is a death penalty upon us because of our sins but aren't you thankful that God loved us enough to give Jesus Christ and what did Jesus Christ do he went to Calvary and he bled and he died he gave His life. He paid our sin debt. Listen to what the Bible said in Romans chapter number 5 verse number 21. Do you care to start playing softly? That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Listen to what the Bible said in 2 Corinthians Let me read you one more verse. 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. The Bible said this. 2 Corinthians chapter number 5 verse number 21. Here's what he said. For he hath made him. Who's the him? It's Jesus Christ. For he hath made him to be sin for us. Who knew no sin. That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Who is him? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. Let me tell you the reason I'm going to heaven today. I'm not going to heaven today because I stand before you in a suit and tie. Matter of fact, I'm not, I, I'd ten times rather have something different on than a suit and tie I'm a whole lot more comfortable in something else, but I respect the position that God has put me in and the sacred place that I stand behind. And you'll see me in a suit and tie when I'm behind the pulpit. I respect that place. I'm going to tell you something. I'm not going to heaven today because I'm in a suit and tie. I'm not going to heaven today because I've got a Bible in my hand. I'm not going to heaven today because my daddy was a preacher and my grandpa was a preacher and my great-great-grandpa John was a preacher. That's not the reason I'm going to heaven today. Hear me tell you the reason I'm going to heaven today. Because as a 16-year-old young man, I was sitting in youth camp. Boy, I'll never forget that night. <laughs> oh yes as a 16 year old man sitting in young man sitting in youth camp about halfway back on the left hand side of Turner's Creek Baptist Church. boys, the preachers had been preaching that week oh, there was a heaven to gain and there was a hell to shun. I'll never forget that night man I was standing there I had a death grip on that pew in front of me and the preacher was saying you're going to die and go to hell he'd point his finger and it looked like it was that long and he was coming and right back at me every time, Brother Eric, he'd point that finger and go, you're going to die and go to hell. 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 And you know what? I got convinced uh, that I was going to die and go to hell. Oh, but I sure am grateful that night that I broke out of my pew uh, and I made my way to a Sunday school class uh, and I knelt underneath the thermostat in the adult men's Sunday school class uh, of July the 20th night. 1994. And I said, God, I'm sorry. I'm a sinner. I don't want to die and go to hell. I so am thankful that night that the sweet spirit of God moved into my soul and I escaped hell that night in my life. That's why I'm going to heaven. I'm not going to heaven because we work countless hours around this church. I'm going to heaven because the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not going to heaven because I knock on doors. I'm going to heaven because I'm saved. S-A-V-E-D, saved. I'm saved. That's the reason I'm going to heaven. I put my faith in Jesus. Here's what the Bible said, Romans chapter number 10, verse number 13 for whosoever. The word whosoever right there is a very interesting word. I've studied that word. You that knows the Bible knows that. It was translated from the Hebrew and from the Greek. The Old Testament come from the Hebrew. The New Testament come from the Greek. I've studied that word, whosoever out, numerous times in the Greek. I've studied it out in other languages also. And they all come back to this right here whosoever you know what that word means whosoever you know what that means y'all you know what that means all y'all you know what that means every person in the whole wide world for a whosoever shall call upon the name of the lord this is a good part: shall be saved, shall be saved. said so preacher? Does that mean me? That means you. Its preacher, you, that means you. I'll I give you this illustration. we're going home. It's around 2000, 2001. Just after the nineteen hundreds, <laughs> two thousand, two thousand one, was at Kentucky State Penitentiary. The besides Walnut Grove Youth Correctional Facility in in, in Mississippi, worst 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 prison, worst prison by far, I've ever been in. And we was having a service, and and we actually had a service. Um, and and was able to talk to some on death row, and then we was having another service, and I I was going to walk up on the hill in the yard. Let's go out into the yard and and talk to the people in the yard. And I I would always one of the things I want to do I wanted to find the meanest person there. I wanted to find the person that run that prison, because that's true that happens. I want to talk to him. I started me and the guy. You had to stay in pairs of two. I started to go up on what they called the hill. One of the guys there in the yard said, man, you don't need to go up there. And I said, why? He said, that's where Big Jeff is. And I said, okay. He said, I, I, keep in mind, I was 22, 23 years old. I mean, 160 pounds. Strong. Fighting UFCs. no. <laughs> Sandy cool though, didn't it? 160 pounds soaking wet. I said, You don't need to go up on that. I said, I'm going up on that hill and I'm going to invite Big Jeff to church. The guy with me is like, I'm going on the hill with or without you. I'm going to see him. I'll never forget, I got up there and he, I don't know if some of y'all remember this from the 1900s, but them MC Hammer Pants. He had a pair of them big old MC Hammer Pants on. They had razor wire on them that, that's what the print was on them they there at the time you could wear your own clothes and i thought how fitting <laughs> i mean you know he's keeping up with the trend <laughs> razor wire all over his clothes but anyway he said what you doing up here i said man i'll come tell you we haven't church so what do you mean you having church we haven't church down there at the chapel don't you come i'm gonna preach here in a little while why don't you come hear me preach we talked there for a minute, and he was very arrogant and rude. And I said, look, man, I'm not going to take no for an answer. I want you to come here. I said, what else you got to do? I mean, you going out to eat? Got to date? That's just the way I was. He kindly laughed, and he got a little bit closer to me, and I backed up a little bit more, and he said, I'll be there. I say Big Jeff, I mean, he's a like lot bigger than Bailey and bigger than Lloyd. He's a big old youngin. I said, you going to come hear me preach. He said, yeah. I said, if you don't, I'm going back up here. <laughs> I wasn't going to go back up there, but. <laughs> About five minutes before service started there, come Big Jeff off a hill. He got down there at the door and he made a big whistle. I can't whistle like he can. Scotty back there can. He made a big whistle. Here come five or six more in a line. He said, get in here, boys. We're going to listen to this little boy preach. (laughs) Who you calling little? (laughs) They walked in there, sat down all in a line. I got up that day. I preached. God helped me. After service, we began to talk, and he said, you don't understand my life. He said, You don't know why I'm here? I said, I don't I don't have to know why you're here. So I'm not, I, I don't care. I said, There's this man in the Bible, his name was Saul. In Acts 7 number 9, he got saved and God changed his name to Paul. And Paul said this that Christ came in the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. And I said, The last time I checked, the chief's the big dog. And I said, he said that he was the big dog of the sinners. There ain't ever been nobody worse than him. And Christ saved him. He began to tell me his story the murders, the things that he had been into. He was very deep embedded in a motorcycle gang. He began to tell me all that. And I sat there that day. I looked over at Big Jeff and I said, hey, buddy. I really don't care about any of that. But I do know what the Bible said. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Watch that old big boy. Boy's tears began to come down that old big boy's face. And he said, Preacher. He said, you really think? I said, No. I know. I said, I don't think nothing, son. I know God will save you. I watched him bow his head that day and ask Christ to come into his heart and save him. You said, Preacher, why did you say that? I said that to say this, God will save you today. It don't matter where you've been. It don't matter the life that you've lived. It don't matter how good you are. It don't matter how bad you are. It don't matter how good you think you are or how bad you think you are. I've got real good news. There's a man named Jesus that says come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. All you got to do goes all the way back to the beginning is we by faith believe that he'll do it. We by faith We by faith. Preacher, what if you're wrong this morning? It's five minutes after 12. I'm done. What if you're wrong this morning? What if the Bible really isn't true? And what if all of it's a myth? And what if all of this is just a waste of time? Well, I would say this. I'm still living the best best life I could live. I'm not wrong. But if I was, I'm still living a good life. I don't have nothing to worry about if I'm wrong. But if I'm right, you've got hell to worry about. And let me back up and rephrase it. I'm right. And if you're lost, you've got hell to worry about. And I'm not using it as a slang word. I'm using it as a literal word. There's hell to cries from it, the caution, please don't come. Please don't come. Please don't come. Father,